and welcome to the Chatterstorm podcast. My name is Josh. I am here with Sarah. Hello. And there has been a ton that's happened this week. There has been uh, several releases of new storylines, new lore, new cards, mechanics, news for Streets of New Capenna. It seems like the Streets of New Capenna news is really, really picking up, which is convenient because Standard is really starting to stagnate. Just as a side note, um, uh, writing the through the Cindervine newsletter this week, which if you want to check out, there's a link in the description, uh, was quite difficult because nothing has changed in the last week in Standard. It's, it's really starting to stagnate. Um, but this is why Magic is designed the way that it is. Uh, just as Standard starts to sort of get boring, we have all this new Streets of Nukapenna news uh, to, to keep everybody engaged, to keep us interested. So we are going to be doing a kind of law spotlight today. We are going to be looking at a few cards that have been spoiled, um, but only through the lens of law, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, and we will definitely have an episode on all of the spoilers and all of the new mechanics and the effects that they'll have on the game. But that is for a future episode. Uh, today is all about storyline and law and recurring characters. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into what we know about New Capenna so far. So without further ado, Sarah, can you tell us what New Capenna is? So New Capenna is a city that was built by angels uh, and is now ruled by demons. Five demons to be specific, that are the head of five different crime families, and they are all fighting for control of not only the city of New Capenna, but a mysterious substance called Halo, which was left over by the angels when they built the city. Yeah, and there's there's actually a lot to unpack there. So first, um, the significance of Halo. Halo is uh, a magical substance. We don't know exactly what it does yet, but there is a few things that we do know about it. We know that it's uh, derived from angels, some kind of angel substance. Maybe it's ground up angel or like distilled angel tears or something like that. Um, we know that it's highly sought after and is kind of the, um, it underpins the crime economy of, uh, of New Capenna. Like all the crime families want Halo. That's uh, it, it all runs on Halo. Uh, it goes all the way to the top. Um, and there's something about Halo that allowed New Capenna to stave off a Phyrexian invasion at some point, which is nothing to shake a stick at. That's a big deal. Um, and we don't know exactly what. It seems like it's more like some kind of power up for people. Um, or magical beings, rather than being um, a uh, like a, a weapon, an actual weapon. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, we don't know much about it. However, we have seen a card spoiled, which gives us kind of an idea um, of the power of Halo. So could you read out Halo Fountain for us, Sarah? Halo Fountain is an artifact and it costs two and a white, and it reads, uh, pay one white and tap it to untap a tapped creature you control, create a one one green and white citizen creature token, uh, two white and tap it to untap two tapped creatures you control and draw a card, and five white and tap it to untap 15 tapped creatures you control, 
and you win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So any kind of win the game effect is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Halo winning you the game uh, is kind of a big testament to the power of the substance. Yeah. Right? Like that. That's kind of the big thing in magic. So that tells us that it's pretty strong stuff. But what do these effects tell you, Sarah, about the substance in itself and and what it might actually do? Well, so it affects creatures, right? All of those abilities are something to do with creatures, whether it's creating them, tapping them, untapping them. So, and I can't remember what the substance is called, but in arcane on netflix and also i'm assuming in the game that it's based on that i know nothing about league of legends league of legends there's that substance that turns people into like crazy zombie fighting people uh yeah shimmer is that shimmer yes pretty sure it's called shimmer it feels like it's that type of thing have they just ripped off league of legends um well so (laughs) <laughs> maybe they've drawn inspiration from the same course because uh one thing about league of legends is that um shimmer and hex core technology being these two different types of magic that are kind of differently rooted that's actually like insanely weirdly common it's, it's kind of a trope like if you look at say um so for anybody who's not seen arcane shimmer gives people a power up um, it gives them such special powers and it's artistically represented as like purple, right? Yes. Like purple gas or liquid or whatever. Um, hex core technology is artistically represented as blue. It, it's like a blue hue, blue lights, blue electricity. That's all, all the hex core stuff looks like that. Um, if you look at something like Mass Effect, a massively popular game franchise set in, uh, like it's in a sci-fi world, uh, you have biotics in Mass Effect who are upgraded humans. Uh, they've been upgraded with technology and they manifest like the artistic manifestation of biotic powers in Mass Effect is blue energy, blue light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got um, techs in uh, in Mass Effect who are uh, actually, I think also like, I think everything's an upgraded something in Mass Effect. Uh, but tech powers are represented with a purple energy so it's actually like a weird trope um to have like it's a common trope to have two different types of power and then be represented by blue or purple light okay Um, halo however the artwork on halo fountain shows that it's blue and purple Mm, and it's like that it's that pinky purple as well isn't it it's like a Mm. you're a bit colorblind so i don't know what it looks like to you but it's very much a pinky purple Yes. Because purple and blue yeah. is a bit too similar, I think. Um, okay, so this is a mixture of both types of power. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's what they were going for, to be honest. Yeah, but, but uh, how can it? How could it not be though? If if it appears like that in so many different things. Well, I <laughs> I don't know. I think that maybe I'm it's not a sure rule. why exactly, but blue and purple must just connote mysterian power I guess. Uh, or like no yeah it, like they, they always seem to represent power that is not fully understood in stories and games and visual okay like uh um visual productions so maybe there's just something about those colors that works that i don't quite understand because i am colorblind um, well it looks pretty um so there's that 
Mm. It is it is pretty hard um, work. So one of the things I love about the card though, Halo Fountain, the like the design of the card doesn't really tell us a whole lot about what Halo does, but mm-hmm. I think it reminds me of um so, so okay. Bear, bear with me on this train of thought because it's pretty it's pretty loose. Um, the card doesn't tell us what Halo is really capable of, except it does. Um, okay. Because it's not about the power of the substance itself. It's about the power of the value that the people of New Capenna put in it. It's about like it's like money. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a small amount of Halo, i.e. Um, the first ability on Halo Fountain, uh, you pay the cost, a small amount, and you can create a 1-1 citizen. So mm-hmm. for a small amount of Halo, you can you can buy a guy. Yeah. Like, you can you can buy an accomplice. For a little bit more, you can buy knowledge, because the second mode on Halo Fountain draws you a card. Um, mm-hmm. So in exchange for Halo, you can get knowledge. Um, and with a lot of Halo, with the final ability, you are... You, you you can win the game. Um, okay. And so it kind of, like, the card design makes me think that what they were thinking was they didn't want to show, actually, the, the power of the substance itself. They wanted to show the power of people believing it's so valuable on Nuka Pena. Mm-hmm. Like if you if this if this said money fountain instead of halo fountain, then these abilities would still make sense. Yeah. Like for a little money you can buy a guy, for a little more you can buy information, and with a lot of money you 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 just can't really lose. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um yes, and I, I think that if that's what wizards were going for, I think that's really clever. Mm hmm. I think that's a very, very well designed. Now that you've said it, that makes total sense. So I would imagine, actually, I was going to say I'd imagine that's what they went for, but they don't often make sense, so I'm probably wrong. <laughs> well, I can be very convincing, but often wrong. Moving on, though, I want to talk about some of the recurring characters mm-hmm. that we've seen in Nukapena so far. Um, so first, Elspeth. Yes. Uh, we last saw Elspeth on Theros. Um, in the Theros Beyond Death set, where she defeated Xenagos mm-hmm. uh, and then defeated Heliod. And we have been wondering uh, since then what actually was going to happen to her, like where we were going to see her next. Um, and so then we got this card, Elspeth Resplendent, is the card that's been spoiled. There's a lot to read, so bear with me on this one. It's three white white for a legendary Elspeth Planeswalker. Uh, she comes in on five loyalty counters for a plus one, you can choose up to one target creature, put a plus one, plus one counter, and a counter from among flying, first strike, lifelink, or vigilance on it. Uh, for a minus three, you can look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a permanent card with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And for a minus seven, you can create five, three, three white angel creature tokens with flying. Um, so we're not going to talk about necessarily how good the card is. It is very good. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you think of this new design for Elspeth? Uh, well, I have a question first. Mm-hmm. Is she drinking Halo? Because she's got a glass and I it's like, think... it's blue. So. Yes, I do think they drink Halo. 
But she uh, is drinking Halo. Yeah, on, yeah I, I think everybody kind of, everybody does it, I, I think. So it's not like a bad thing then? What, Halo? Yeah. Um, I don't think so, no. It's, um, well, it's as maybe. <laughs> I guess that depends on your perspective. As in like not to keep bringing up Arcane, but you didn't really want to have Shimmer. Especially in the TV series, there's only been one season of it. It very much made you strong, but then also made you not you, basically. Well, I, d- I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking Halo. Like we don't know what it does yet, but there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it. And there is a you know there's a reason everybody wants it. Um, it clearly can be used to control the masses, but I, I don't actually think there's anything wrong with it. I, I don't know. Okay, to so it's be not, fair, it's not even if it were then. like a drug uh, of some kind, a narcotic of some kind, um, Elspeth is one of the strongest people on the plane, probably. So she can probably handle a glass. True. Although it's definitely not any type of narcotic. Yeah. Obviously. It's much closer to mango juice. Very clear, guys. It's actually all it is. Um, tastes like sherbet. Uh, and it's, it has a. A detoxing what mango effect. juice have you had that's blue um yeah, sorry that just caught me because it's basically a card that's entirely white and then there's just this bright blue glass in her hand so that's it's the interesting first thing so the I first saw. thing i saw was um elspeth in a like i don't know what the word is but in in very like um uh art deco 20s attire like she's got um feathers and the like diadem on her head and and the curls mm-hmm yeah, but that's like that's to be expected, right? Well, that's not it. That's that's not the only um, kind of uh, aesthetic uh, that they've incorporated into the set. And we'll look at some of the other um, some of the other artwork and and how they've designed some of these characters uh, in in a little bit. But they've chosen to make Elspeth uh, a very kind of glamorous. Um, I don't know what the word is for for those like women from the 20s who who dress like that. I'm sure I'm 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 sure there's a word. Do you mean flapper girl? So, I would say that's right ish. I feel like she looks a bit more regal than that. Well, uh I could agree with that, but Elspeth's clearly been inspired by the concept of a flapper girl. And the, yeah, I think that's interesting. So, do we know why she's on Nukapenna? Uh yes. She thinks she might be from there. And mm-hmm. she's trying to find out. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so this makes sense. Um, if Elspeth is looking for information on New Capenna, she very well may be operating in a uh, like uh, she may be operating from a position of subterfuge. She, she people may she may not actually want people to know who she is and why she's there. She could be undercover, uh, dressed as. Uh, dressed as a, a kind of flapper girl and she could be looking for information which would make sense uh, that would explain why she's is taking Halo uh, because she needs yeah. to fit in but we have seen a character go or a planeswalker go undercover before right and they had a different name when Liliana was Professor Onyx well yes but Liliana was being hunted Elspeth is just going undercover to get information uh, Liliana was in hiding uh, so I, I think that's the difference. Plus, we one of the cards that's been spoiled. Um, it's called an off, an offer you can't refuse, um, and the flavor text of an offer you can't refuse reads: Elspeth wanted answers. Xander needed a spy. Their paths were destined to cross. 
How hard was it uh, so for you to not do an accent when you said offer oh, you can't refuse? Ah, uh, do you know what? I didn't even think about it and I regret it. I wish I had done an accent. If only there was some way in this podcast format where we could do something again and then cut out the original, but I can't think of anything. No, like me that. neither. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think Elspeth is kind of, she's not necessarily there as a spy, but I think she's operating in a, uh, kind of an undercover fashion. Okay. Um, and that's maybe up. why she seems to be adopting the uh, the lifestyle so fervently. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm. I like it, um, though. So I like her vibe. And I know we want to talk about something... the card, but it's a good card. Oh, oh yeah, the card is busted, but we'll talk mm-hmm. about that next week. Another returning planeswalker that we've got, uh, generally a good guy, is Vivienne on the Hunt. Sarah, could you read Vivienne out for us? So, Vivienne on the Hunt costs four green green for legendary planeswalker Vivian. Um, plus two is you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus a sacrificed creature's mana value, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Plus one, mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. And minus one, create a four four green rhino warrior creature token, and it comes in on four loyalty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, not talking about the card. Uh, card is 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 pretty damn good. But um, just looking at Vivian here, um, mm-hmm. and you know where she fits into this whole story, um, I don't think we know exactly why. She no, is on I don't think we know. However, we do know from the stories that we've seen so far that she has actually um, ended up in an uneasy alliance with Tezzeret and Urabrask, which is, which makes her sound kind of like a bad guy. But yeah, um, she's taking a kind of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, mm-hmm. She knows that Elesh Norn and the Phyrexians are her enemy, and she knows that Urabrask, mm-hmm. while a Phyrexian praetor, uh, has opposes Elesh Norn's desires. Mm-hmm. So she's um, tentatively working with um, with Urabrask at the moment, um, and the way that she has been designed in this set if you look at her outfit and stuff there's there's a few things right one um vivian's weapon of choice is the arc bow which is a very powerful bow that she uh fires magical arrows from mm-hmm. um on new capenna weapons are all discreet and a lot of them uh, like so we were wondering how wizards would handle guns and stuff right yes uh, because guns are pretty iconic of this era um how they chose to do it was to actually turn them all into musical instruments um so huh, there are that's super like, cool. yeah so there are like uh the, it, it kind of plays on this trope of like 20s gangster films where they'd hide a you know a tommy gun in a violin case or something right um instead in the violin case is a violin that is a gun-like weapon in in this universe Mm -hmm. um so yeah they'll have like uh a trumpet or something that fires (laughs) projectiles that is the first thing that came to my head when you said um like 
weapons or musical instruments was like some guy mm-hmm. with the trumpet just like shooting out arrows or something yeah 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 that's what we're gonna see in this set so you'll see like guns that are shaped like a violin or something like that uh, and they're actually like yeah it's it's quite it's a clever way to do it it is i have to admit that i do think that the design for this set's incredible I- what gun instrument would you want i uh hmm. let me think i think i think I do think the violin's pretty badass, like carrying around a violin case. Um, yeah, but then every time you shoot someone, you'd have a double chin. That is true. Um, okay, so... Well, there's nothing wrong with having a double chin, but I feel like it would take away the intimidation in the moment if you were just like, <laughs> let me just get this. Yep, I'm ready. I know exactly what I would do. Um, okay, so it's not a musical instrument, but one of the... One of the um, one of the wizard designs for the set, one of the um, quirks of this set is that magic users have to, uh, like magic users who are native to Nuka Pena, um, have a kind of, uh, what's the word? Is it a somatic element to casting spells? They have to make a handshape when they cast spells. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I am not kidding some of them fire projectiles from their hands with finger guns oh okay i thought you were gonna say air guitar no how was what how was that even that's an instrument i i literally said not an instrument yeah but it's not technically an instrument is it like but (laughs) that would make more sense Um, so literally no it it does not make how does it make more sense than finger guns no in the context where (laughs) guns are musical instruments and it's a gesture with their fingers, air guitar makes more sense. Sarah, I don't think that you're expressing the right amount of hype at this revelation that you can make finger guns on Nukapena to fire bullets. Oh no, that is amazing. That just wasn't the question. The question was what musical instrument would you have as a gun? And you said, I'd have finger guns. Anyway, um, so Vivian's outfit... <laughs> Um, so she's carrying the arc bow, but it's in like a briefcase, right? Um, if you look at the artwork, it's in a, a what, what looks to be styled like a briefcase. Why is that? Well, it's because Vivian's fit for Nuka Pena is designed to look like a private investigator. Where are you seeing a briefcase? In her left hand. We're looking at a different, we must be looking at different artwork. You must be looking at the alternate artwork. In the artwork I'm looking at, I don't know what it's called, but you know the classic bag that they carry their bows in that's off their shoulder? A quiver. Yes, I've never heard that word before. I'm sorry, Mr. Pretentious. A quiver, (laughs) obviously. It's got the quiver of arrows. We've been (laughs) to archery. And we know how bad I did. (laughs) And there was no... You've literally fired arrows. Oh, you just picked them. You picked the arrows up from the floor. There was no quiver. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Shut up. You're, look, you're looking at the alternate artwork. Yeah, okay. Because I was like, does he know what a briefcase is? Um, okay. Well, I'll take your word for it because it will probably take me too long to Google and find the other one. But okay, it's in a briefcase. Okay. That makes sense. And the outfit is very private investigator. Uh, and yes, her outfit is supposed to make her look like a PI. Um, 
because or supposed to be inspired by uh by the kind of detective uh aesthetic of the 20s mm-hmm. um because her first job on new capenna is to find elspeth and elspeth happens yeah. to be undercover um so she's not oh, so easy to find so cool mm-hmm. i really want to be a private investigator <laughs> yeah it's kind of a it's it's bittersweet for me because private investigators very cool vivian really lame um yeah so, uh, vivian is i think but maybe she'll be cooler now as a private investigator Uh, or she just drags the whole profession down maybe um so next returning character that we should talk about is urubrask heretic praetor um so i'll read it out urubrask heretic praetor is three red red for a legendary creature for rex and praetor uh he's a four four i don't know if it's a he actually they are a four four uh, they have haste, and at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead they exile the card from the top of their library, and they may play it this turn. Um, so we won't go into the details of why, but this is a fairly underwhelming card. Um, but how is it relevant to Urobrask, and who actually even is Urobrask? So... Um, Urobrask is one of the Phyrexian Praetors, um, who are the leaders um, on Phyrexia, and that's kind of the major threat to the multiverse at the moment. But Urobrask is called the Heretic Praetor because they have always opposed the um, kind of pseudo-leader of the Praetors, Elish Norns, wishes which are to make the entire multiverse um phyrexian and uh and completed um but urobrask doesn't want this uh urobrask and his brood just uh, i keep using male pronouns i'm just going to continue um urobrask and his brood just want to be left alone and they they do think that being phyrexian and being completed is best but they think that everybody should have a choice and it shouldn't okay. just be forced on everyone. Um, and that's the key difference between them. So Urbrask has plans uh, that we are so far unaware of to um, challenge Elesh Norn's authority at some point. And I guess possibly take over as leader of Phyrexia uh, and lead them in a new direction away from trying to take over the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and the card is underwhelming... Possibly because Urobrask was horribly injured um, as a result of coming to New Capenna. Uh, so he came to New Capenna through the Planar Bridge, which Tezzeret is able to open at the moment. Mm-hmm. But the Planar Bridge is not... It's, it's insanely powerful. Um, and it's not like... It's not an easy tool to handle. Uh, so in coming to New Capenna, uh, Urobrask was quite badly injured and is definitely like I- operating at vastly reduced strength. Um, and that could be why this card is so shit. That makes sense. I was trying to look at the artwork, but I'm just looking on my phone. It's incredibly fuzzy. I, I was looking like if they're they're like they're kind of kneeling down almost as if they can't actually stand up. But I don't know if it's just because my artwork's really awful well um like you said they're injured it looks basically looks like they're 
having to prop themselves up like they are so weak but mm. super fuzzy when i zoom in so i can't even tell you which part is their head yeah yeah the praetors are a little bit confusing like that i'm pretty sure urobras has a beak uh if that helps at all <laughs> but it's hard to tell oh yeah um, i see now yeah uh and does, yes does so Urubas you're looking at the ultimate art again um i don't know actually uh yeah i have no idea he is mostly machine so he could be he could have anything um but yes it does look like he's kind of propped himself up to support himself mm -hmm. um in the alternate artwork uh in the i think is it called the um no it's not called the golden age frame uh, it's just yeah, I, think, I don't know yeah, why don't the know. spoiler website i'm on is just showing the alternate artwork but it's probably going to cause problems if we're talking about the way cards look yes um but yeah, uh, so Urobrask is, he's been in better shape. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's being reflected in the card design, which is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, like he's a bit of a letdown because he, of course, had all these plans to show up on Nukapen and do stuff. And he shows up and, uh, and he's not doing so hot. So he's kind of out of action. Now, it is worth us also talking about Tezzeret, but mm -hmm. we don't have a Tezzeret card yet. And I don't actually know if we'll get one in New Capenna, since we did just get one in, in Neon Dynasty. Yeah, um, that's but, true. Um, yeah, because uh, so far, Tezzeret has showed up in the story, but only very briefly. Um, he showed up to find Vivian and take Vivian to Urobrask. He kind of connected them. Um, so uh, that means a few things, a few important things. One, Tezzeret is working with Eleshnorn and uh, is using the planar bridge to move Phyrexians around the multiverse, which we already mm -hmm. knew. Um, two, Tezzeret is not necessarily on the side of the Phyrexians. Um, yeah. From what we can understand, um, there's a bargain at play. Uh, Eleshnorn is offering Tezzeret something that he needs in exchange for his services with the planar bridge. Mm -hmm. Um which, by the way, is inside his chest. Um, that's oh. where he's keeping it. Yeah. Uh, by choice, or is that just where it is? I, I, I mean, it's the safest place for it, right? So, in your little chest drawer. Question. Mm -hmm. Chest drawer. So, when he like opens the planar bridge, does it like shoot out from his chest, and then they just toddle on across it? Um, what I was envisioning is he kind of Transformers style turns into a giant gate. Um, there's like a choo -choo 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 sound <laughs> and, uh, and then people can just walk through. Okay. Yeah, I saw more like a beam of light from his chest that then became a pathway, which was said bridge. And then you walk across oh, so it. more like um, like Heimdall from Thor opening the... Uh, yes, thank the, the, you. The Bifrost. Yes, thank you. Because I was like, I could see something in my head, but I couldn't see any of the characters clearly enough to know what it was like I was thinking <laughs> about in my head. <laughs> but that is it, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cooler. That's more, that's more cinematic than him turning into a, a portal. Anyway, let's talk about Obnixilis. Um, so, um, Ob, or I think as he prefers to be called, Nixilis, um, has showed up on Nukapenna, and we don't exactly know what he's doing there, but he's trying to seize power. He's being um, fucking dope. 
You see him. He is being dope. Alternate like, art of his card. He looks so fucking cool. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know how you're allowed to swear in a podcast episode before it becomes explicit, but look at him. Just like. Okay. All right. Yeah. Keep your, keep your pants on. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't fancy. Um, is he a demon? What is, well, he's yes, a Nixilis, I guess. Well, right? yes, but he is, uh, he is a demon. Do you want to <laughs> read out the card for us? Um, yes. Okay. So, Obnixilus, the adversary, costs one black, red, uh, comes in on three loyalty counters. It is a legendary planeswalker, Nixilis. Um, and it has casualty, which is, is that one of the new mechanics? Yes. Yeah. So, it has casualty X, and the copy isn't legendary and has starting loyalty X. Which means, as you cast this spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power X. When you do copy this spell, the copy becomes a token. So that's just a little bit at the top. It's plus one ability is each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. Minus two is create a one one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And minus seven is target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so also a busted card, uh, but we're mm-hmm. not here to talk about how good it's really hard not is. to talk about them though. Like, <laughs> yeah, my so. first thing when I read it is just like, what the fuck, so far, pretty much. But we will mm-hmm. talk about yeah. that in another episode. Two planeswalkers for the price of one for three mana is so horrendously yeah. good. Yes, uh, this is a really good card. Um, mm-hmm. But more importantly, how does it reflect on the law? So first things first, I think it's the first time we've ever seen Obnixilis wearing clothes and he is killing it. Yeah, it's such a vibe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, like all the rings. He looks, he looks like the drip is immaculate. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pocket watch as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see the chain. Yeah, he's looking, he's looking super fly. Uh, and it's yeah it's it, it's pretty cool he's a really cool character in this set he he looks like the character design is fantastic mm-hmm. um the card has casualty x which is a new mechanic that we'll go into more detail about next week but casualty is a mechanic that is unique to the maestros family mm-hmm. only maestros cards have casualty obnixilis having casualty is no diversion from that piece of design philosophy. Um, Obnixilis wants to seize power on New Capenna. He thinks that the best way to do that is to undermine or to tap into the existing networks of power that already exist there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which, and actually the, the most prominent um, of which, is the Maestro's family. So... Obnixilis pushes Xander, who is the head of the Maestro's family, off of a building. Uh, and <laughs> I, 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 I think like, it's, I think it's kind of a flex, to be honest. I think it's kind of like, hey, Xander, nice wings you got there. What, what do you mean, Ob? I don't have, I don't have wings. <laughs> no, you don't, loser. And then he pushes him off the building. Um, I love that, except from the fact where he says loser. Just can't imagine him saying loser. Yeah, you're right. That's kind of just kicking a man while he's down. Um, he literally yeah uh so ob is um oh i i think his name i think it's actually nixilis i think ob is like i don't know I, but I, so nixilis doctor. nixilis is ob doctor, like doctor. yeah ob is like a, a title 
Lord Nixilis. Um, oh, Lord Nixilis sounds cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ob sounds okay, like, so, let's call him Nixilis. <laughs> Nixilis, um, from what we can tell, has taken over the maestros on New Capenna. Um, so do we not even get to see Xander? Like, oh yeah, not... there's a Xander card. No, I know there's a Xander um, card, but like, is as in, is he just dead already? Well, what do you mean already? Because at the, like he's alive for most of the story. It's only the, okay. So the card is called Obnixilis the Adversary, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the main themes of the New Capenna story is that the crime families, on top of everything they're already contending with, have to deal with the arrival of this unknown figure who they only know as the adversary, who seems to be making moves in the underworld. And they all suspect each other, like the maestro suspect it's one of the other families and, and so on. Um, mm. And they don't know what the adversary wants or where they're from. Um, the adversary reveals himself to be Obnixilis, okay. and he, uh, you know, he 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 comes in to seize power. So so Xander is alive and doing stuff for most of the story, I think. Um, okay. Which is why we don't actually see a whole lot of what Obnixilis does once he gets the power that he was after, because I think that's one of the last things that happens in the story is uh, is Nixilis seizing power. That's fine. It would just be like really lame you know there's these five crime families and one of the heads dies in like the first five minutes yeah it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't happen straight away okay. uh xander definitely like xander features on a lot more cards i think than even uh than even Obnixilis does um yeah so it's uh it, it's mm, yeah it, it's a it's a pretty late thing that happens um but i think that actually the card that shows um Obnixilis killing xander is is actually murder classic yeah the classic that classic um, card yeah so if you look for the artwork for murder uh, in the streets of new capenna printing you will see what looks like obnixilis pushing xander off a building just straight up nice and simple oh uh, yes i see hmm. um wait does he have wings xander doesn't have wings no, no obnixilis yeah oh yeah yeah he has wings big old wings they're massive. Oh yeah, I mean he's a big guy. He's he's got a. I'm sure he doesn't have hollow bones or anything. He's got to have big wings. <laughs> okay. Yes, I see. Mm. So Sander. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a pretty bad way to go. But I don't think he was a good guy, so I don't think we're that. Oh, right. so the flavor text of murder. Mm. Have you read it? Um, so I'll read it out. Obnixilis decided the fastest way to seize control of New Capenna would be to usurp the networks of power already hidden there. Xander's maestros were the first to fall. So that makes it sound as if he's not trying to take over the maestros. He's actually going to just cut out all of the families. Yes, but I'm pretty sure he's only going to get around to doing the maestros. Okay. But either way, he's not like coming head of the maestros. He's cutting them out. So there are only going to be four families that's what i read from that anyway i don't think so i guess we'll see but i think the fact that he has casualty tells me yeah that he's tapped into the power of the maestros uh and uh, so i it and you know all okay. the artwork shows him um kind of looking like a don mm -hmm. um like having revealed himself yeah. 
uh, murdered Xander and taken over the Maestros. That said, if he had taken over the Maestros, maybe he'd be blue instead of just red-black. Not sure. Well, I guess his plan is not to take them over, even if he temporarily takes them over to ultimately seize power of Nuke Penna. I feel like he would never be all three colours because then that's very much just saying he's the maestros, which he's not, right? Like if we return to Nuke Penna, maybe he'll be two other colours doing the same thing to another family. Uh, I think he'll always be red, black. Well, he's he's definitely rooted in black. Like, yeah. Uh, Nixilis will always be uh, rooted in black magic, I think. I'd be very surprised if that changed. But I guess anything else is on the cards. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but I left it alone. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that's most of the returning characters. I think that's all of them. Uh, the only one we haven't really talked about is Tez, because he doesn't have a card yet, and I don't think he will. I think no, that he pretty I much think he'll be on a card. Yeah, like, maybe he'll be mentioned, but I don't think he's going to get it. No, I just mean like, you know, when how they appear on the artwork sometimes when there's like mm. a few people and it's like a scene of like an instant or a sorcerer or something. Yeah. I reckon he'll be there, but I, I think you're right. It'd be weird. Not weird, but unusual for him to get mm-hmm. another card so soon, set release wise. Um, yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think that kind of all gives you an impression of what the set is going to be like, what, what some of the lore and inspirations, uh, where some of the inspiration has come from to design the set the way that it's been designed. I, I do think it's very cool. Uh, the mm-hmm. more I look at the set design, the more I think that Wizards have done, honestly, a fantastic job already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think they've done a really good job of all these things like taking modern elements like guns um, and technology and cars and incorporating them into what's normally quite high fantasy setting of magic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, like, this is the most modern set that um, we've, I think, magic's ever seen. Um, and not like, not like the most technologically advanced, but the most close to modern. Like, um, if you think of, yeah, like if, if Kamigawa was like futuristic, this is the most close to modern society uh, that I think we've ever seen magic get. And that's very cool. Yeah, that is that is very true. Do you think they like, so you know when they did Kamigawa, they got cultural specialists in to make sure it was all as it should be. Um, do you think they got like retired mob bosses? Well, given the fact that a cultural specialist for the 20s would be 102 if they were born in the 20s from the 20s because it's not a it's not a cultural specialist they need to be at least 120 years old well based on that logic then the cultural specialists for kamigawa would be minus a thousand or whatever (laughs) so Um, there okay Fair enough. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yes, uh, wizards do have cultural, um, cultural. Uh, what's the word? Like consultants come in for uh, for set design, um, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of work on it. Like we've talked about on the podcast before, but the design of a set happens about three years before the set is even yeah. nearly ready uh, to be released. So they've been, they've been working on Nuka Penna for years. You can guarantee that. Um, and they've had all that time to do all this research. And 
and just make sure that they, you know, they they have these creative details in place. And it's it's very impressive. It honestly is. It's very impressive um, because they had to like they have a lot less creative freedom when you when you're dabbling with something that's so well documented uh, and so modern, like so close to real life, you have a lot less creative room. Like when you're mm-hmm. dealing with just a high fantasy world or an extremely sci-fi world, you can kind of always find an answer for everything. Um, but you, you know, you can't have art deco without drugs and drink. And so wizards have found a yeah. way around that. Um, you can't have, this 20s vibe without guns and mobsters uh which which are not things that wizards can really put on cards but they found a way around it uh very creatively i think so i'm i'm really looking forward to how the rest of the set opens up um we should wrap it up there uh so i don't know about you sarah but i am really excited to see what wizards come out with yeah for the rest i'm of the so set. excited and Next week, we are going to have a big, long discussion about the new mechanics and the new cards so that and how they will affect the various formats that we play. So I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. And we will catch you guys next week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at ChatStormPod and subscribe to our newsletter through the Cinderbine. Links for both will be in the description. Bye, guys. Go on, you do it. Please, I want to suck your blood. Please, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs>